Welcome to Tech Breakfast, today's top headlines served hot by your host Aaron Bewley and Tyler Gates. So grab your coffee and let's get into it. Today is Tuesday, May 26th. On the show, we have Niran Precious Gem, Evan Chen. Niran is a principal SC at VMware in the office of the CTO. Are you laughing already? <laughs> He's the author of Service Mesh for Dummies. That's pretty cool. He's a triple VCDX. Dude, one wasn't many. enough. His Twitter profile <laughs> says he's into tech, metal, sci-fi, food, and humans. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Uh, thank you. Glad <laughs> to have you yeah. on. Gotta got got mention, though, that the book was written by myself, but also Oren Penso and Susan Wu. Uh, we wrote it, the three of us, so not, not only me. Credit That's awesome, though. Too. I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. That Writing a book ain't easy, man. No. And apparently securing personal data in databases just even by a pa- behind a password isn't easy <laughs> or, or uh, being you, able to be contacted for that matter <laughs> right uh, in the first article i wanted to bring up here uh thailand's largest mobile phone network called ais was storing a combination of dns query logs and netflow logs for its more than 40 million customers and in the roughly week or so that it was uh just available actually sorry three weeks um two weeks Anyway, they released, uh, there was 8 billion new records in this database. And the thing that bothers me the most about it, the painfully slow pace at which they reacted. So uh, the guy that found it, Justin Payne, he's a security researcher at Cloudflare. Uh, if you want to go find him on Twitter, looks like he posts some pretty interesting stuff. But uh, he reached out and it took nearly two weeks for AIS to respond. He actually had to go to um, Thailand's National Computer Emergency Response Team, known as TyCert, who then, I guess, took some action. I don't know. Well, they, it's insane. They, they apparently were the ones that were able to finally get in contact and, and allow, uh, allow any kind of response. Yeah. That, was, that was jumped off the page for me, too. I could not believe that once he found it, he made multiple attempts to get a hold of anyone just to let him, hey, this is wide open. And yeah. He couldn't, couldn't even get somebody on the phone. Or respond yeah. to an email. The DNS queries are, are he, if you go look at his blog, uh, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes here, but um, he can show you a very clear example of the, the pictures it can paint about a household. Um, you just make some assumptions around the number of people that live in the house, but you know, all these devices and likely has a smart TV and you know, here's their patterns for this, that, or the other thing Here's the social media things that they're on and all this kind of stuff. Niran, what do you think, man? Yeah, DNS is emerging as a great point for, to enforce security, but also a great area of risk. It's kind of it's like the phone book of your organization and your business, uh, but if you, if you can interject into it in, the, in a place like security controls or uh, even extend it and do interesting things on it, uh, but uh, it also can be a security risk if anyone gets access to it. Yeah, and uh, don't store DNS. the database, just open on the internet without a password, <laughs> right? Do you have some different advice for that? Well, hold on. You guys still have a notion of privacy and you actually care <laughs> that you data. I mean, all I care is about that I get from a credit karma that my password got hacked somewhere and I could change it again and that, that's all I'm good. Yeah, no, I have no notion of security um, because of things like this. <laughs> no yeah, exactly. notion of privacy. Does it doesn't matter uh, what I do, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, and in somewhat related news, 
we recently talked about um, on May 13th, uh, there was a recent amendment to require the FBI to get a warrant to view browsing data and how that vote failed by one vote. That was on the 13th. There was an amendment to what's called the USA Freedom Reauthorization Act. Well, after we called it out, called attention to it on the show, because so many people listen to us, it's us. It was us. Uh, especially people at, so apparently Mozilla, Reddit, Twitter, and Patreon, they heard us and they said, hey, let's do something. You know, let's represent these guys. Anyway, uh, they're calling on the house to reconsider, which is cool. It's good to see that happening. But uh, it's too bad that it's a reconsider. It should never have happened in the first place. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, uh, those were two of the big ones I saw. Um, another one, the NASA and SpaceX news. So the first ever uh, SpaceX astronaut launch is a go scheduled for tomorrow. Wednesday, That's exciting. The 27th. Yeah. 433 Eastern. Looks like the weather says the article says 40% favorable right now. But uh, it's cool. Don't it's you think it's cool to have Mars. like new, uh, new suits now and all new yes. designs? Those are cool. awesome. <laughs> I want to know more about those. Like they, they're so futuristic looking, right? Because they're slimmed down so, so much just from the material advances. And I'm sure refrigeration, all kinds of crazy stuff. But uh, yeah, they, those do look so cool. And it's fun. Because it, it just makes me think we're that close to like the reality that's been painted in sci-fi for, for ages and SpaceX is just leading that charge. That's tons of fun for me. Awesome. What else, Tyler? You got anything? Niren, you got anything you're thinking about? I well, you know, it just came out of the weekend, so I'm not really... <laughs> Everyone's waking up here. It's too, it's too early for news. No. Um, <laughs> I did. I saw one article which uh, caught my caught my eye, which was I guess Redis announced a new AI platform, and something that didn't actually occur to me immediately about uh, a lot of what's available in the market right now for um, real time analytics is that most of those platforms are tied directly to hyperscalers. So offerings from Google or Oracle are uh, tied to their cloud, and so. Redis's announcement is designed to sort of decouple that and, and uh, you know, in their words, sort of avoid some of what is potentially a cloud lock-in by having to use that service from the hyperscaler on the hyperscaler's uh, gear, right? So, Dude, you just went from not being awake to going like super, super technical nerd deep like, real fast. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I actually like that news. I like that news, Vit. Uh, it, it, basically represents what the market is trying to head to right now, which is multi-cloud, um, mm -hmm. allow customers to consume services, uh, the good, you know, the best, best of good services in any cloud. But they're gonna go and say, you know what, uh, I see that customers wanna use AI in different types of cloud. I'm gonna abstract that specific service, uh, which is really interesting because um, these abstractions are really interesting to me at least. That's something that we're working on at VMware as well. In what way? Tell me more about that. Uh, allowing customers to be able to consume any service in any cloud uh, and, you know, being able to apply, um, not to expose too much information though, uh, allow, I'll be able to apply security, performance, uh, uh, availability, all the, all the things that are required for an application to work, uh, but on an abstracted application framework. Uh, if you look up something called uh, hybrid cloud runtime, that's a very raw idea came up by Imad Benjamin and published as a, as a paper. 
they basically drive this whole notion of creating an abstraction of a runtime across clouds. Think about 20 years ago and hardware vendors, you know, Dell, I, IBM, uh, Compaq, whatever, right? Uh, and there were the silos of 20 years ago. You really couldn't, if, if you were an HP shop, you were an HP shop. If you were an IBM shop, you were an IBM shop. And then uh, once you have both, it's hard to operationalize. VMware came in, virtualized the whole thing, uh, and you could use, you know, but in theory, any kind of server you want. You got the same thing today with the clouds, but businesses find themselves in a multi-cloud environment whether they want it or not. You know, one department is operating in Google, the other one is operating in, in AWS. Yeah. Yeah. So they figured, you know, the, we operate in a multi-cloud. We want to probably take advantage of that and even take it to the next step and actually connect our services in multiple clouds together, maybe put something in an on-prem. How do we get there? And that's kind of the race of today. Uh, mm -hmm. I see a lot of companies racing towards that goal, and we are also working on solutions around that. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree 100%. That's the holy grail. How do you connect all those things, right? And be able to move workloads and have them uh, seamlessly function and um, and talk and all that kind of stuff. Put them where That's they good. need to be, get the adjacent services as, as advancements comes. I, I think, Niran, you said it right out of the gate. It's it's best of breed. How do you make sure you can always have best of breed, not just the one that you you know put your boat anchor on initially. It's It's the flexibility to use whatever emerges as the best possible option at the time. Obviously, within reason, certain services, certain data has gravity, and, and it's not necessarily something you're just going to lift and shift. But I, I like it. The flexibility is good. Here's another bit of news: uh, 44 terabits per second is officially the world's fastest internet speed. Tell me, tell me where you think, tell me where you think it happened on the globe. Are we any close to kind of, uh, you know, uh, beam me up, Scotty kind of thing? Like actually being able <laughs> yeah, to beam people? This, I, feel like, I feel like we're getting there. I'm pretty sure you speed? can cook a hamburger with those speeds. You know what I'm <laughs> cook saying? A hamburger. <laughs> it says you can download a thousand HD movies in less than a second. At Who downloads movies? Who downloads movies in these days? Right. I mean, actually, stream 40 billion movies simultaneously. <laughs> I can't tell the difference between HD and 4K, to be honest, when I'm looking at it. So I don't know why we need like 40, ter 40 terabytes, it says. 40 yeah, terabytes. 40 terabytes. Terabits oh per second. Yeah. That is insane. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out a guess on locality, and I'm going to say that it's, uh, it's in like Sweden or Norway. That, or I would have guessed. Always, they always win those, but either yeah. that or it's Korea. So it's three universities in Australia. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. yeah all right. University connections. That's, that's fair. But, well, they're trying, uh, way they're to, trying go to help Australia. stay connected to the rest of the world because they're so dang far from everything. So. <laughs> Especially the Perth, those, those poor bastards. Yeah. No, you said it, Tyler. You mentioned data gravity. If this kind of technology can actually break the data gravity uh, conundrum, then you really are in a freedom of choice. That's right? true. That's that's yeah. really true. As long as it's uh, affordable, right? I mean, that's that's always the issue with stuff like that is that it's got to scale. But if you think, if it if it's expensive to move move a few terabytes today, whether it's because it takes forever or because they charge you a lot for it, if if you commoditize something like a forty terabit connection, then it won't. What, what becomes expensive will be exabytes and moving those from A to B, but that's not even an option realistically right now. So 
I'm more interested in the in the latency of it. Like I see yeah. a pattern out there where companies, you know, develop AIs and they are forced to run the AI mod, the AI uh, on premises on the devices because they need real time uh, real time responses. Think I don't know baby monitors, right? If the latency yeah. is so low, let's say, and the amount of data is uh, bandwidth is so high, perhaps you can centralize everything back to the cloud uh, and saves a lot of money. That's a, that's a really good point. We talk about IoT and, and doing um, other compute at the edge, right? Any kind of edge use case. And, and what's making that so necessary is lack of being able to ship at home fast enough to do stuff in real time. And then obviously the advancement in compute silicon at the edge that can actually do what it needs to do. But if, uh, if you didn't need compute at the edge because you could transport what you needed back immediately, to your point, latency, then you would definitely centralize it because you could deal with peaks and troughs a lot better from a cost perspective. So way to go, Australia. Keep going. The year of the VDI, right? <laughs> 2047, here we come. Man, I think edge is, edge is a thing no matter. Did my voice just crack? Yeah, wow. Um, Sexy. Everybody goes through these changes, Aaron. Don't worry about it. <laughs> or seventh grade, whatever that was. Uh, what was I talking about? Oh, I think no matter what uh, what speed we get to, I think edge is edge is permanently a thing. Um, well, but I think it also it's depends on how you. Too, but but you think about at scale, right? If, if yeah. you've got think think like a a Walmart or another retailer that has thousands of edge locations. If if you could spin up a new service at scale centrally, and then just take an existing camera at the edge and port it back to your, your central location, you're far more likely and far more agile than somebody that has to deploy 5,000 edge compute devices. Sure. Period. You're, you're always going to win that battle from an agility perspective. That doesn't mean it goes away. I think there's still going to be stuff that just needs to be out there. Yeah, there'll be certain use cases where it, yeah. you know, loss, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, y'all kept men mentioning AI and uh, Tyler has a Pac-Man background and we talked a lot about Pac-Man. What was that on Friday? Yeah. And then after we talked about it, I saw this article uh, after watching 50,000 hours of Pac-Man, NVIDIA's AI generated a playable clone. That's awesome. That's <laughs> so is, cool. It's, uh, it's getting a little nutty. I mean, we've got AI that's, that's writing music. We've got potentially changing the future of game development by leveraging AI. You know what? That, I don't know that any court cases have already happened in that space, but, but pull that thread for a second. If, if you let AI play Fortnite for, you know, eight months or something <laughs> and then generate a new Fortnite, is it actually net new IP? Just like it would have been if you played Fortnite and then said, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to code something that's an awful lot like that, but I'm never going to look at source code. Is that yeah. going to be legal? Like PUBG and Fortnite. and Yeah. yeah. Man, I don't know. I don't dang, know. Nobody you, asks you're gonna me get... to make the laws. <laughs> that's probably a good thing. Yeah. Uh, you're going to get clones that are legitimately not borrowed uh, intellectual property at all, at least not from a line-by-line -line perspective. And they're going to be auto-generated by artificial intelligence and then potentially just spit right back into the market. And then, I mean, I'm sure yeah. it'll be wrought with all kinds of issues. Well, and to, to, it is, but. to super simplify the example, I think about it like 
an Excel spreadsheet where you have some sort of formula and Excel recognizes and you just click the corner of the cells and drag down and just expands out, right? Same sort of thing from an AI perspective. You give them examples. Okay, now be a little bit more like this and reward them in situations where this happens, et cetera, and then go, right? And then you leverage the infinite monkey theorem thing as well, right? And you say report back and you say, yep, that's good or no, send them back away and dang, you know, I mean, I, I would... I would be less concerned about it copying something and more interested in what cool new thing can, can AI invent, right? Oh, so. well, that, sure. that's exactly the thing though. Um, it, I don't think AI can invent anything. It can, while it can see patterns, we can see patterns, build things based on those patterns. Uh, the real cool stuff that's been generated innovation is all mistakes. It's all evolution. Yeah. It's all, you know, cool. what's changed. You don't call that invention though? what the, the these mistakes right i mean what intentional these, these or not, are not it's still innovative right? exactly the mistakes yeah. are the innovation right. i don't think i can make mistakes right now i don't think we're at that stage oh but, you're saying okay it's 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 okay it's too good it doesn't know how to iterate and replicating enough okay hmm. it's not going to yeah. recognize the the good in a mistake it's going to see it and trash it you guys know joe bugley you know joe yeah. bugley Mm -hmm. So Joe Begley is a CTO, the Europe uh, field CTO for VMware, right? Mm -hmm. uh, very smart dude, and uh, he we we he gave us a presentation about AI that uh, really uh, actually affected me because uh, I was moved by uh, the notion. So I, I'll kind of you know explain it in in a few words, but I hope I don't ruin it, right? He was explaining the evolution of human uh, humankind, and we were augmenting our bodies uh, throughout the years, right? Well, as soon as we took a stick in our hand and tried to do something with it, that was augmenting our body, adding the skills to our body that our physical body cannot have. And we started with augmenting our physical, right? As I said, a stick or any kind of machine that you use. And then we start augmenting our minds, for, you know, Google search or AI and everything you say. So the question that he asked, at the end is what is left for us, right? If AI and computers are going to do everything, what is left for us? Instead, the soul and the art, right? The things that machines apparently will not do for a next hundred, or, I don't know, 200 years. This is what people can do still. It's uh, adding the heart and adding the soul into things. Uh, and that, that was pretty uh, interesting to see. Yeah, that is something that's right. uniquely human, right? Yeah, well, there's work right now uh, in the AI space to develop that exactly right to or to develop the feel you know what i mean um so yeah that's anyway. what, that's the what's i don't know i'm gonna totally forget my thread here but the the test of a human or human thought what it, do you know what i'm talking about uh, it's, it's not the turing, turing test yeah. is it yeah or you know a machine and artificial intelligence has to be able to answer certain questions. I'm gonna have to look it up now. Now I feel bad for even mentioning it, but <laughs> um, I, I, being able to beat those tests, I think, is already on on the near term. You're talking about is it the artificial. Turing test? I don't I know. I need so. to look that up. I can't remember. I'd have to look at all of the the tenets of that, but um, I think we're we're already at the point where we can train right. an AI. It's not necessarily going to stumble upon it itself. To, yeah, that's what it was. To so. beat that. But yeah, so Turing test developed by Alan Turing in 1950 is a test of a machine's ability to exhibit intelligent behavior equivalent to or indistinguishable from that of a human. Yeah, there you go. So I think we're actually close to that in a lot of places, but I don't think 
I don't know that we're going to get there on the soul side of things that soon. <laughs> yeah. To Niren's point, I wonder if there's a, if there's a different definition for that side of it. That's a good point. Right. Cause this is just the intelligence piece. I don't see any computer writing, um, let's say, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy anytime soon, right? Like, <laughs> or, or creating, you know, some sure. masterpiece uh, just by uh, you know, identifying patterns about what, what people like. It's, I don't yeah. think that's possible. Okay, yeah. I'm going to throw a curveball at you, man. Um, we talk a lot about space on here at times as well. And space is getting crowded, especially, and I'm talking specifically in our... Um, like geosynchronous our, orbit crowded. Yeah, our, our extended um, atmosphere. Mm -hmm. How do we solve the space junk problem, Niren? Okay, so... It's Monday all, morning. It's like 6 a.m. We got me Space we Force now. We got Space Force, right? There, can go there, space yeah, Force goes up is. and cleans Check up. Check done. <laughs> Mic Blow drop. that away. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Push it away or some way. That, that's not the kind of things. Yes, we need about. space bulldozers. Yes. <laughs> I want this to be my job. I just want to think about stuff that's it just think think and talk about it and then like that is your i don't job, want to actually Tyler. design a space <laughs> your job. that would be terrible oh yeah <laughs> so there's roughly twenty thousand objects including satellites and space debris well how do we classify those i don't know we could dig into that but crowding low earth low earth orbit right Twenty thousand, and these things are going you know 10 15 20 000 miles an hour so typical that we man managed to litter, litter the, 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 the atmosphere or whatever. We littered space. That's, <laughs> it's that's, insane. that's rough, right? It reminds me of what, like, the, the islands of plastic garbage in our oceans, right? Like, how depressing when it's massive scale, yeah. absolutely massive. And I, I, don't, I do not have this article at my fingertips, but I read one recently that said that even at, at the ocean's greatest depths now, we're finding a lot of evidence of that, that sort of garbage oh, yeah. accumulating. We managed to do that at the deepest points of the Mariana Trench and in orbit. And we did it in a few short, you know, hundreds, thousands yeah. of years. That's there was like a Walmart bag pathetic. at the deepest. Like, <laughs> yes. there was a news article. Yeah, it's like, this is the deepest we've ever gone. What is this? Oh, it's a plastic grocery bag. It's garbage. Fantastic. <laughs> and there's like a dead turtle in it. Congratulations, y'all. But seriously, how hard Terrible. is it to shoot, to shoot it to the sun? Like seriously? Like, just <laughs> actually, very hard. It's actually really hard. Very hard. hard. It yes. Is. Yes. When we're done even here, go Google how hard is it to throw something into the sun. It's very hard. Even with a 40 ter terabit connection. Uh, <laughs> 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 Terabit per second connection. Now you once you we, end up. Once we get spice microwaves. Yeah, it ends up just slingshotting around the sun. As 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 crazy as that sounds, right? As as massive and um, you know powerful from a gravitational pull perspective, it ends up just slingshotting around. So can we talk about Aaron's new job? I know you guys spoke about it before, but sure. How is how's it going, Aaron? It's going great. Um, so it actually starts in uh, one week. So I'm spending this week training uh, and enabling the person that's taking my spot, which hasn't been publicly announced yet. So can't talk about that. But what I can talk about is the fact that um, my role that is starting in a week is very cool, very fun. Um, I It's so hard for me to talk about it without like it's still kind of early in terms of leaving this team um, that I consider, you know, my brothers and sisters and his family, right. It has been for the past three and a half years. Um, but 
I'm just doing bigger things at Dell uh, rather than just focusing on one product line or product set. I'm doing solutions across all of Dell, all of Dell technologies, right? So, and, and it's a specific focus on data centric workloads as well as solutions in general. So when we say solutions, we're talking about things like, you know, VDI or HPC, um, potentially things like edge, right? As we develop what that might be or might look like from a Dell technologies perspective. Um, but outside of that, we're focused on listening to customers and understanding what their needs would be around mature and emerging data centric workloads. So if I say mature, that's like SQL, um, Oracle, SAP, um, etc. Right. Uh, so whenever we get into things like emerging, that's going to be your AI and data analytics and machine learning and all that kind of stuff. So are you guys already looking at how uh, COVID is affecting, you know, businesses and oh, yeah. technology requirements? Yeah. As we make a decision as a business, it's, um, you know, what verticals are growing, right? Where, where is their business? Now, the beautiful thing that we've all seen in technology over the decades is, everybody needs technology, right? So um, some verticals may be contracting, some are expanding. We just need to go and play and help where, uh, where it's expanding, right? So, uh, but I didn't mention my actual role. I'm leading product management for that business unit. So That's awesome. Product management and tech marketing. Amazing. Yeah, I'm excited, man. It'll be real fun. So I've kind of been all over the place from a Dell uh, EMC VMware perspective, even at some partners. And so uh, kind of seen a lot of different things and can pull a lot of different people together, um, which is neat. It'll be fun. So it's a collaboration thing. It's a get close to customers thing. It's a, you know, build things of value and um, help customers win. Really cool. That's awesome, man. The, the community cheers for you, Aaron. Just so you know oh, that. Oh, thanks. Always. Yeah. Yeah, we cheer for each other. It's good. Awesome. Yeah, man. Cool. Um, cool. All right, what else? Do we want to end it there? You all have anything else? I guess, yeah. I mean, let's start the, the week, right? Okay. Well, let's get on with it then. It's a, okay. That was a perfect so Niren, length. I'm in. So Niren's response to solving the space junk problem. I, I think I like this. Should We're just going to throw curveballs <laughs> at guests in the future. I'm just going to think of some, some random difficult problem for them to solve. So either sending a bulldozer up or firing into the sun. But you're going to go Google and figure out how difficult it is to actually throw things into the sun. No, I think Superman did it in a movie, though. I think it's like 10 grand a kilo or something like that to just take off of uh, Earth or something like that. Hmm. I remember someone uh, quantified how much it cost. Yeah, yeah. Would it cost to actually yeah. uh, accelerate something out of Earth's gravitational pull? Yeah. Escape right, velocity, right? right? Yeah. I know we can use friction and maybe like if we can pull it down towards, if we have any way to do that, right? And then let it burn up in our atmosphere. But anyway, we don't have to solve that right now. It's like <laughs> 6.42 a.m. We'll solve that tomorrow. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. This was a great you know, morning, morning conversation. You yes, guys sir. invite me one one more time in the middle of the week while you guys are always like <laughs> full throttle, have all the news ready. Uh, we can okay. talk more. I would love that. That was great. Thank you guys. 
Awesome, man. No, thank you for joining us. Uh, it, was, it was lots of fun having you on. And then this is a fun way to start the week, but we'll, we'll take you up on that offer and bring you back on one day. Awesome. So well, that brings another episode of the Tech Breakfast podcast to a close. We hope everyone enjoyed it as much as we did. And as always, if you've got news we missed, general feedback, or the urge to join us for a recording, hit us up on Twitter, LinkedIn, however you want, and come shipper jabber with us in the morning. <laughs> Jibba Jabba. Jibba Jabba. <laughs> Jibba Jabba. <laughs> All right, hey guys, see you I'm here. already late. Thank you. Enjoyed what we're seeing you this morning. And, uh, Peace, brother. Falling. That was later. awesome. Thanks for joining us. Cheers. Bye. Bye.